This is Charles Zuta, your host. Welcome to the Fountain of Life podcast. And thank you for joining me today. We'll be continuing on our series, The Man Behind the Words, Reflections in the Book of Psalms. As we continue to look at what has been driving the story behind some of the Psalms that we read, we'll continue in that same theme to look at another psalm which David wrote in the moment of his adversity, in the moment of difficult times. And then we ask ourselves, what was going on in David's life when he penned those words? And as we reflect on the words in that psalm, there are lessons there for us to learn and at the same time also promises that we can lay hold of in our own quest to know God better and to walk as David walked with God. Today, we are reflecting on Psalm 52. And this Psalm was written in a very, very difficult moment in Psalm in David's life. And it's, I'll pick a few verses from it, and then we shall go back to the backstory to see what lessons there are to be learned. In Psalm 52, this is what the Bible says. Why do you boast in evil? Almighty man, the goodness of God endures continually. Your tongue devises distraction like a sharp razor working deceitfully. You love evil more than good, lying rather than speaking righteousness. Selah. You love all devouring words, you deceitful tongue. God shall likewise destroy you forever. He shall take you away and plug you out of your dwelling place, and uproot you from the land of the living. The righteous also shall see and fear, and shall laugh at him, saying, Here is the man who did not make God his strength, but trusted in abundance of his riches, and strengthened himself in his wickedness. But I am like a green olive tree in the house of God, I trust in the mercy of God forever and ever. I will praise you forever because you have done it. And in the presence of your sins, I will wait on your name for it is good. So who is David talking about? Who is David describing as a mighty man who is wealth, is so fantastic, and yet this person likes evil more than good, lying rather than speaking righteousness. And David is comparing himself to this person that while this character he's writing about will be judged by God and destroyed, he, David, is going to 
thrive and be like an olive tree in the house of God because he trusts in the mercies of God. David, to give you a clue, the man David is talking about is an Edomite or one of the descendants of Esau, an Edomite called Doeg, who was in the employment of King Saul. Actually, he was like the chief steward who took care of everything that Saul had. So he had power with the king. But here is somebody who trusted in the abundance of the wealth that he controls. Naturally, if you are controlling wealth for the king, you will also gain some influence and some power. So this Doyle guy has done well for himself. Unfortunately, he doesn't know God. And there isn't any righteousness. His power, his strength is all based on his wealth. So where did Doeg and David cross paths to make David write the psalm? To strengthen himself or more or less to put the word out there that he, David, is like a green olive tree in the house of God as opposed to this man Doeg. The story behind this starts in 1 Samuel 21, I think, continues in 22 as well. When David was fleeing from Saul, he came to a point that he was just barely clutching onto life. He had to flee hastily from Saul at this point. And so he wasn't carrying any weapon. He was in a very, very desperate position. So David went to a town that is inhabited by the priest, a town called Nob. So I'll continue this story from 1 Samuel 21 from verse 1. Now David came to Nob to Ahimelech the priest. And Ahimelech was afraid when he met David and said to him, Why are you alone and no one is with you? Remember, David is just fleeing right now. He didn't have his armed guards. He didn't have anything that he would later on develop. But this is a very difficult time. It's practically fled into the house of God to get whatever help he could get. Well, he had to frame a story to convince the king that everything, to convince, sorry, that the priest, Ahimelech, that everything was okay. And so he asked for food. And towards the end, he also asked for a sword because he wasn't carrying any weapon at, the, you know, at that point because of the nature of his flight. So, whilst David was there, it happened that this man, Doeg, was also in the house of the priest. Whatever he was doing there, we don't know. But he was detained over there. It might be for some ceremonial thing, we don't know. But Doeg happened to be there as well. And obviously, he being there at the time David came, He's not going to bode well for anybody because the word had gone out that David is a fugitive and whoever helps him automatically becomes an enemy of Saul. So we'll pick up from verse 6, continue to verse 6. The Bible says, So the priest gave him holy bread, for there was no bread there but the shield bread which had been taken from before the Lord in order to put hot bread in his place on the day when it was taken away. Now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day, detained before the Lord, and his name was Doeg an Edomite, the chief of the herdsmen 
who belong to Saul. So here we are introduced to this Doeg guy. All right. So at the end of the conversation, David gets access to the sword of Goliath, the trophy from killing Goliath. And he took it, took the showbread, and he left. Well, at the back of David's mind, he knew that something is not right. Because Doeg, seeing this priest, post David, give him sustenance, give him food, is not going to bode well for both David and the priest. So David will flee from there and go to Akish like we read in the previous episodes when we're looking at Psalm 3 and Psalm 34 as well. He will flee to the Philistines in the city of Akish, you know, the city of Gath. But Doeg does something really terrible. We'll continue the story in 2nd 1 Samuel chapter 22. So in verse 6, Bible says, When Saul heard that David and his men were with him, and the men who were with him had been discovered, now Saul was staying in Gibeah under a tamarisk tree in Ramah, the spear in his hand and all, and was trying to rally support to be able to destroy David. Verse 9. Then Doeg the Edomite, who was set over the servants of Paul's saw, said, I saw the son of Jesse going to Nob to Ahimelech the son of Ahitab, and he inquired of the Lord for him, and gave him provisions, and gave him the sword of Goliath the Philistine. So, just like David suspected, Doeg went to his master and told him exactly what had transpired between David and Ahimelech. Like we say in North American parlance, he snitched on David. And that will prove very, very, very fatal for Ahimelech and the entire priesthood. So we continue reading in verse 11. So the king sent to call Ahimelech the priest, the son of Ahitab, and all his father's house. The priests were in Nob, and they all came to the king. And Saul said, Hear now, son of Ahitab. And he said, Here am I, the Lord. Then Saul said to him, Why have you conspired against me and the son of Jesse, in that you have given him bread and the sword, and inquired of the Lord for him that he should rise against me to lie in wait as it is this day? So Ahimelech was being questioned by Saul. He will explain the circumstance of that, his chance encounter with David. He didn't plan it. David came there involuntarily and everything that happened there was just coincidence. But whatever it was, Saul was having none of it. If we compare King Saul at this point to David, that will begin to help us to understand some of the words David will put down later in Psalm 52. Comparing himself to the wickedness that Doeg and everything Doeg helped to build. Saul had descended into the lowest depth of depravity. He's practically now being influenced by the wickedness of the devils and the evil spirit that possessed him. So he had become very, very paranoid, very manipulative, 
and very, very cruel. You think that this person who once prophesied before Samuel, somebody who was anointed to be king, wouldn't be able to descend this law. But when we yield our lives to the devil, it only gets worse. It only gets worse. It only gets worse. So Saul was descending into the abyss of wickedness at this point. He was paranoid. He was thrashing around. So irrespective of any explanation that Ahimelech gave, as far as Saul was concerned, it was a betrayal. And there's nothing he will say that will convince him to spare his life. So those 85 people who came to see King Saul in response to his summon, that day Saul commanded that they should all be killed. But the interesting thing is, Saul's servants who were Hebrews or Jewish refused to take the sword against the priest of God. Nobody who grew up under the law and knew the role of the priest who ever take a sword to a priest. So you can understand the darkness in Saul's heart at this point. And because his servants wouldn't do it, he asked Doeg to kill the priest. So that day, Ahimelech and 85 of his family and his descendants were massacred on the orders of King Saul. And the tragedy of it is one young man who escaped, Abiathar, who later became the only person who survived that massacre. And he brought an effort and became a priest under David. But the truth is that Doeg showed no mercy. He was obeying his master's command. Whatever was influencing him definitely isn't good. But because of the evil that was around him, he had no power to say no. And he massacred all those 85 people and he killed them. So when David wrote this psalm, he was looking at Doeg physically, you know, and looking at his actions and looking at why would you do this? And obviously it was because of gain. So David would say, you love evil more than good, lying rather than speaking righteousness. You love all devouring words, you deceitful tongue. And he's somebody who boasts in evil and his, his tongue is devices distraction like a razor working deceitfully. So David was pointing about the words that Doeg brought to Saul. The words that brought about this evil. The words of his mouth unleashed evil on this priest. And he was likening Doeg, you know, to, to himself, you know, con contrasting himself with Doeg. He says, you trust in your riches and wickedness, but he, David, is like a green olive tree in the house of the Lord, and he trusts in the mercies of God. He trusts in the mercy of God. There was no mercy in the eyes of Doeg because he had to obey his master's call. Because of the wealth that he was making serving King Saul, he had to obey everywhere that came from his mouth. But 
David is going to show us his heart in this situation. If you come to verse 20, now one of the sons of Ahimelech, the son of Ahitab, named Abiathar, escaped and fled after David. And Abiathar told David that Saul had killed the lost priest. So David said to Abiathar, I knew that day when Doak the Edomite was there, that he would surely tell Saul. So David knew that this is not going to end well with this man there. And that explains why David was pronouncing judgment on the words of Abiathar, the tongue of Abiathar, and sorry, of Doak, and commanding a curse, commanding God's judgment on Doak. As if killing those 85 priests was not enough, King Saul also asked Doeg to go to Nob, the hometown of the priest. And over there, in verse 19, the Bible says, Also Nob, the city of the priest, he struck with the sword, the edge of the sword, both men and women, children and nursing infants, oxen and donkey and sheep with the edge of the sword. He left nothing like they say that pieces against the wall. He wiped off the entire town. Only Abiathar escaped and came to tell King David. This is the darkness of Saul's heart. And the fascinating thing is this. When he was commanded by God to go and kill and wipe off the Amalekites, he chose who lived and who he killed. He came back with the king. He collected the animals, claiming he was coming to sacrifice. When God asked him to wipe off Amalek, he didn't. And yet, when driven by the devil and the spirits that were running his life, he was happy to wipe out the priest, a whole town of priests. He wiped them out completely. Humans, animals, and everything. That is the lowest one. That is a justification of we seeing what was really in Saul's heart and God showing us why he rejected Saul. The issue with the Amalekites was just a tip of the iceberg. There was gross darkness in Saul's heart compared to David that he could allow this to happen under his watch just because he was on a vain and meaningless campaign to get rid of David, as if he was the one who could build his own throne. We see here in verse 22, so David didn't make an excuse. This is what David would say in continuation of verse 22. So David said to Abiathar, I knew that day when Doeg the Edomite was there, that he would surely Tell Saul, I have caused the death of all the persons of your father's house. Stay with me, do not fear. For he who seeks my life, seeks your life. But with me, you shall be safe. How can David give that assurance? Because he knows that God's presence and his mercies are going to be with him. And no matter what happens, God will preserve him because God's word is true. But he didn't make an excuse. He said, it is because I have caused the death of all the people, the persons of your father's house. 
We don't see David write about that aspect in this psalm. Whatever he was inspired to write in this psalm, didn't mention the grief, the regret, the pain he was feeling that his actions brought about this massacre of the priests. We may not know why, but the truth of the matter is that this massacre is actually in fulfillment of a prophecy that had been made as far back as when Samuel was the priest. And if you go with me to the book of First Samuel chapter 2, we will soon see, we'll understand why God allowed this to happen. And the Bible says that the sons of Eli were terrible. At the time when Samuel was young, it was Eli who was the priest. And the Bible says that he had these two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, who were so, so evil. They were sleeping with the women in, who came to worship in the temple. They wouldn't wait for the sacrifices to be over. They would go and then collect their food. It, it was as if they knew nothing about God. And they and Eli didn't do hard or work hard enough to rope these kids in. Like God would say, he honored his children more than God. So God pronounced judgment on the house of Eli. And the people, Ahimelech and all of the word, direct descendants of that priesthood coming down from Eli. And so this is what God prophesied concerning the house of Eli. Verse 31, 1 Samuel chapter 2. Behold, the days are coming that I'll cut off your arm and the arm of your father's house so that there will not be an old man in your house and you will see an enemy in my dwelling place despite all the good which God does for Israel. And there shall not be an old man in your house forever. But any of your men whom I do not cut off from my altar shall consume your eyes and grieve your heart. And all the descendants of your house shall die in the flower of their age. This is a terrible prophecy that came on the house of Eli because of his two children. And in law, during this massacre, this is a fulfillment of that prophecy. All the descendants of Eli who were in law, who were actually that line of priesthood, were slaughtered. Women, children, babies, animals, because God had pronounced judgment against them. Nonetheless, it is still painful. And I guess David would elaborate more on that. He just focused narrowly on doing for the role he played as an evil instrument to execute judgment on the house of Eli. But David continued to put his trust in the Lord and to seek God's face. In this psalm, he will conclude, I will praise you forever because you have done it. In the presence of your saints, I will wait on your name for it is good. He will wait on the name of the Lord. God's deliverance, God's salvation. And I believe that there will be more instances when David will have a cause to pain words that will inspire us because of the things that he's going Join us again next week as we look at another situation in David's life. 
where we get to see the man behind the words as we meditate in the book of Psalms. May God richly bless you. Thank you for joining me. Amen. Fountain of my life, I worship you today. Matthew 11, 28-29 Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest. Amen.